Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. We're told to pray, and we often pray for healing. But does that mean that our prayers go unanswered when this healing doesn't happen? You're listening to Prayer and Healing by Rev. Peter Yonker. My scripture reading tonight is from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 21. Actually, it's 14 through 20. If you look closely at your pew Bibles, you'll notice that verse 21 no longer exists. So it's Matthew chapter 17, verse 14 through 20. This is a story of of a miracle that Jesus does, and just to give you a sense of context, this is happening right after the transfiguration. So Jesus has just come down the mountain of transfiguration with um, uh, Peter, James, and John, and so they've seen that magnificent display on the mountain, and he comes down and he finds his disciples struggling to do a healing. Listen. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I have to stay with you? How long will I have to put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. This is the word of the Lord. So I wonder, and I realize it's somewhat speculative, but it's an interesting question to ask. I wonder how the disciples felt after they couldn't do the healing and then Jesus said those words to them about the mustard seed and moving mountains. I wonder inside what was going on in their head when they received that word from Jesus. Would they be encouraged, do you think? I mean, it's possible, Could, would their answer, would their feeling have been after Jesus said those words, oh man, listen to that promise Jesus has given. All we need is a faith the size of a mustard seed and we will be able to get mountains to move and nothing will be impossible for us. We can do this, you guys, listen. It's at least possible that Jesus' words would have lit a fire of confidence under the disciples. Or maybe not. Maybe Jesus' words made them embarrassed and afraid. After all, they just tried to heal this epileptic boy and completely failed and looked foolish doing it. And Jesus had clearly been irritated with the whole situation because he said, how long am I going to have to put up with this perverse and foolish generation? Bring the boy to me. That had to make them feel at least a little bit self-conscious. If all it took, you can imagine them thinking, was faith the size of a mustard seed to move a mountain and they couldn't heal this boy, then how much faith must they have? 
And would they dare to go out to other epileptics or other people who needed healing and try to heal them? Because what if they tried again and failed again? What would that say about their faith? Instead of being uplifted, I think it's a pretty good chance that Jesus' words felt like a rebuke to them. And what about us? Most of you heard these words before. When you hear Jesus say those words in Scripture, if you have just mustard seed faith, you can move mountains and nothing will be impossible for you. Do you hear that as encouragement? Some of us, absolutely yes. Some of us are exhilarated by this promise. Some of you have had terrible situations in your life, trouble in your family, someone you love who's sick, and you fell to your knees and you prayed fervently and God answered your prayer. The problem in the family went away. The sickness was healed. You know firsthand the power of prayer. So when you hear Jesus say this, you say, yes, we should all listen to this. This is true. Jesus, through prayer, can change things. At my previous church, we had a prayer and healing ministry um, we didn't use it very often, but when people would call especially, when people requested it, we would go with some elders and some praying people in the church, and we would anoint someone with oil who was going through a situation, and we would, we would pray for them. Like I said, we didn't do it very often. You had to ask for it, and it was usually in very dire situations. We maybe did it five times while I was there. And of those five times, at least two of them had results that were remarkable and maybe even characterized as miraculous. And both of those families who are in those situations would certainly say yay and amen to Jesus' words here, would hear them as positive words of confidence and assurance. But on the other hand, many of us, and maybe most of us, when we hear Jesus' words about the mustard seed and the mountains moving, are perplexed by them. There are people in this congregation who had someone they dearly loved and needed who got sick in their life, and you fell to your knees and you prayed and prayed and prayed, and the person didn't get better. There are people here in this congregation who had a friend or maybe a child who wandered away from faith, and you've been praying, and you've been praying, and you've been praying, Lord, bring this person back, and this person has not returned. There are people in this congregation who have someone they love in their own household who struggles with a depression so bad that it completely clouds their personality. And you prayed, 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 Lord, take this away, and it's still there. You prayed with every ounce of faith you felt you had, and when you prayed, you felt like you gave it your all, and you woke up the next morning, and the mountain was still there. This is an experience of many, many Christians, right? And for all those people, Jesus' words here are maybe not so confidence-inspiring, they're perplexing, they're hard, and they make you wonder, do I not have enough faith? Is there something wrong with me? It's not that we deny the truth of Jesus' words. We know that Jesus always speaks the truth. It's just that the truth of these words rubs against the open wound of our experience. 
However we take these words, however those words strike you sitting here this evening, I think it's pretty clear when you look at the whole context that Jesus does not mean for these words to be discouragement to us. He means for these words to inspire us in our prayer, to give us confidence. Yes, he's annoyed when he says these things. Yes, he's clearly a little bit irritated with the disciples. But the overall setting is is a setting of confidence, right? This happened right after the transfiguration. The transfiguration, Jesus is on the mountain. He's clothed in white. Moses and Elijah show up. A voice from heaven says, this is my son. Listen to him. It's this tremendous display of God's almighty power. It's meant to give confidence to his believers that the people that that follow Jesus know that they follow the Prince of Peace and the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. So these words come out of a confidence. When Jesus says, ask for whatever you want and I'll do it in your name, he's clearly wanting us to have transfiguration kind of confidence when we pray. He wants us to believe that his power will be engaged. He doesn't want us to pray with this mamby-pamby maybe. He wants us to pray with confidence that when we pray, the power of God is engaged. And this isn't the only place in Matthew where, where he urges that kind of confidence. Sermon on the Mount, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock in prayer and the door will be opened. Matthew 21, Jesus says again, whatever you ask for in prayer, in faith, you will receive. So clearly Jesus' motivation is that we will pray with confidence. Well, what might that look like for ordinary people like us out there in a hard world, in a complicated world? Imagine, let's do a real world situation. Imagine that your neighbor, who's not a believer, not particularly observant, comes to you and says, you're a Christian, I know you followed Jesus, I know Jesus healed a lot of people, I just found out that my three-year-old daughter has stage four cancer. Will you please come over to my house and pray with her? I need her to be healed. Please, I desperately need this child. Come pray for my daughter. Now, what would your reaction be if if your neighbor came over and asked you that? I think we'd all be intimidated, right? That would be an anxiety-producing situation. But it's clear that Jesus wants us to be the kind of people who would say yes to that. I'm going to come over. I'm going to pray. Here are some qualifiers, real-world qualifiers for us as we go over there and pray and for a situation like that in healing prayer, given what we know and given what Jesus says. First, healing prayer cannot control its outcomes. There's no prayer formula where we can get God to do exactly what we want him to do. Our prayer engages God, but God is the one who decides which way the mountain moves. We don't get to pray in a certain way where we can tell God where to put the mountain. We pray, and if the mountain moves, God is the one who decides which way the mountain moves. So when you go to someone and pray a healing prayer over their daughter or over a fellow church member for that matter, you have to be clear. We cannot guarantee healing here. We can only guarantee that our God will hear. And there's lots of real-world examples that show the truth of this. John Wimber, 
don't know if you know that name, founder of the Vineyard Church, a church that was very much focused on healing. He was a person who in his life did lots of healing prayer and there are lots of documented incidents of people who were healed after John Wimber paid for them. Uh, Stories that I personally believe. But John Wimber himself, when he was only 63 years old, had a mild stroke and ended up dying because he fell and had a brain hemorrhage. So the same man who prayed for all these things and got all this healing, when, when prayer surrounded him, it, it, that's not the way God chose to move the mountain. God's the one who chooses which way the mountain moves. Paul, same thing, right? Paul many times encountered sickness or tragedy, prayed for it, and brought miraculous healing. Eutychus fell out of the church window during a long sermon. Paul prays over him. He comes back from the dead. But for his own thorn in the flesh, 2 Corinthians, Paul prays and prays and prays, and he can't get relief from it. God is the one who decides which way the mountain moves. Second qualifier for healing prayer. If you go and pray with your neighbor, if you go and pray with someone who's, who's sick, healing prayer is no substitute for medical care. If your neighbor wants you to come over and pray for his daughter and says, I just want this prayer, I want to do it in faith, I don't want to seek medical care because it'll be traumatic for my daughter, because it'll be expensive, for whatever reason, you should consider saying no. Jesus is Lord over all creation, and he fights evil, and he fights disease through all the means that we give him. Sometimes he does it miraculously. Sometimes he does it through a scientist who studies how a cell works and a doctor who applies that knowledge. Sometimes the way he cures depression is not through miraculous healing, but through the good work of a psychologist or a psychiatrist who can prescribe a good medication. God, it's not like Doctors and psychiatrists are human work, and prayer is God's work. It's all God's stuff. The whole earth belongs to the Lord. It's all God's stuff. Praying without seeking proper medical means is like praying for God to help the poor people, but never giving any money and never lifting a finger to help yourself. Third qualifier for our healing prayer. Healing should not receive too much emphasis in our faith life. I think we all know that there are some churches and and a lot of TV preachers for whom healing is like the main event of faith. It's all about getting God to heal our diseases and to rid us from our problems. Healing is not the main event of faith. The Lord did not come to this world to cure all our aches and pains and give us a middle-class life without any problems. The Christian life is a life of sacrifice, of of hardship. You enter into hard things. If the Lord heals, it's so that we can enter on this road of sacrificial love. Healing is not the main event of the gospel. Praising God and serving him with sacrificial love is the event. And when healings happen, they are there as signs of God's reality and as ways to encourage us on the path of sacrificial love. Fourth qualification. Healing prayer 
is something best offered in groups. If your neighbor or anyone comes and asks you to do a healing prayer over them, you might consider calling some other people, calling a pastor, calling the elders. Go in a group because God loves groups. Wherever two or three are gathered, there am I with that person. God loves groups, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's biblical. James, right? In James, if someone's sick, you come with the elders, you anoint that person, and pray over them, and the prayers of a righteous person will availeth much. Final qualifier. Before you go to your, front, you go to your neighbor's house and pray for her child, go with this assurance. When we pray, the mountain always moves. Jesus' Jesus' promise is exactly right. When we pray, the mountain always moves. Sometimes it moves in a miraculous way. It makes a big old leap, and we all look and we say, glory. Sometimes its movement is glacial, tectonic, tiny, so small that we don't even see it. But be assured that when we pray, the mountain moves. When you pray for that little girl, maybe she gets healed, or maybe all that happens is the family gets a little more peace that night. Maybe the father has a sense that he's going to get through it. Maybe there's just a little bit of daily bread so that they can survive. But be assured that when you pray, the mountain always moves. Your prayer will move our world a little closer to the day when all the tears are dried, all the illnesses are healed, all the valleys are lifted up, and the mountains and hills made low. If you want a good example of Christian healing prayer, just look at the Father in this passage. The father sees Jesus, he comes and falls at his feet and says, Lord, have mercy, my son is suffering. That's a prayer. The words, the first words of the father are Kyrie eleison in the Greek. And even if you don't know any Greek, you know what that means. Lord, have mercy. The father isn't some great hero of faith. In, In the book of Matthew, it says that he's the one who said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Right? So he's not some great heroic faith healer type. He's just a regular guy who falls at Jesus' feet and says, Lord, have mercy upon me. And that's enough for the mountain to move. Every other Wednesday, there's a group of LaGrave members who gather online right now to pray for this congregation. Jolene DeHere leads it. And we get together and we've sort of slowly been accumulating prayer requests and prayer needs from this congregation and and from around the neighborhood. And we're at the point right now where the needs cover two sheets of paper, single spaced, and sometimes we stray over into three. And we get together and we pray usually for about 45 minutes for all these needs. Part of our prayer is that we take eight people from the phone book. We're going through it alphabetically. And we pray for each of these families and then we contact them and tell them that 
We've been praying for you. And then often we hear back from some of you and we hear all kinds of stuff that's going on in your life that we don't know about it. And we have this great privilege to lift you up in prayer. Some of you, as we've prayed for you, have had great healing and positive results. Some of the people we've prayed for are no longer with us. But not one word of our prayers is ever lost. Every single word of our prayer brings a little more grace to this congregation and moves the mountain. We say, Kyrie eleison, and the Lord moves the mountain. So when you hear God's words here in the future, when you hear someone say, if you have, prayer, if you have faith the size of the mustard seed, you can move mountains, don't let that discourage you. Don't be afraid. Be filled with hope that God can change the world through the words of a person like you. Amen. Lord God, here we are praying to you again. And Father, you know that um, we do it all day long. All day long, we turn our face towards you. We lift up our hearts, we lift up our eyes, and we ask for your mercy. And we're doing it again tonight. Thank you that we can look back and see a legacy of faithfulness and hope. And Lord, may that legacy help us to look forward in faith. And may you continue to move those mountains. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.